Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. The Crossing Church exists to see every person restored to God and to the life He created them to live. And we want to walk through this journey with you. If you need help or if you need prayer of any kind, you can text the keyword, I need help to 31996. Or if you give your life to the Lord, we would love to know. You can text the keyword, I said yes, to that same number, 31996. Someone from our care team will reach out to see how we can walk through life with you. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Enjoy the message. Thank you so much. Great to see all of y'all this morning. My hands go back. It's just good to see human beings in seats and all that, like the old days, you know, like we used to have church. Uh, and, and can I just put out an honor just to all of you, all of this church, all of those, uh, I know there's many of you that are, that are still uh, cautious and you're waiting to come back, or some of you have just gotten used to drinking coffee in your underwear and watching it, so uh, I know you, I see you there. We have you on the screen here. But uh, no, but uh, when you're comfortable, please come on back. But I just want to say to all of you, all of this church over this whole year, um, we, you know, when we started the, this whole COVID thing, we as a church, just as stewards, uh, battened down the hatches somewhat financially. We've got great stewardship uh, uh, methods that we have here. But uh, you know, no, none of us could see what the future was going to hold. And so with jobs and stuff going away, we, we, were, you know, we, we tightened down on what we were doing here. You, you guys, I just want you to know, not being here for eight months or however long it's been, you guys have given 10% above what we had last year in our, in our giving and in our tithes. And it's just amazing. Just as your pastor, I'm just so proud of you. We don't mention it. We don't talk a lot about the giving. You guys are just faithful to do it, and I so appreciate it. The Hope Fund, again, we talked about it a little at the front, but you guys have loaded that thing up in your giving, and we've been able to bless so many families with furniture and uh, food and help for rent and all kinds of things, and we realize that this thing's not quite over. There's still some fallout yet to be done in the economics of all of this, and so, uh, gang, y'all have just done so great at just following God and, and, and moving. And so uh, when we had the, the food giveaways for the 12 weeks, we uh, asked for some serve help there. And you guys showed up Tuesdays to unload. I don't know how many tons of food, but 25 pallets every Tuesday you unloaded. Wednesday we had people show up and help folks get some of it. And then Thursday we had the mother load of giveaway and y'all were here in the heat. We never had any, y'all were just, y'all have just done fantastic. So I think you're the best church on the planet. I'm a little biased, but I'm just so, so proud of you. You know, and just, this, uh, this is good church. Now, we are gonna uh, dig into, uh, see if there's anything else I needed to do. Uh, I did wanna say this too, by the way, if you didn't get to see our student, uh, our student uh, service this last Wednesday night, man, it was powerful. Goodness gracious, Thomas and uh, Pastor Dallas and you know, about 100 kids showed up here Man, there was something special in that worship. I mean, that's like, that's like something's going on, something beyond the, the, the norm. So that was really sweet to see. So uh, you guys be in prayer for our, our students. And uh, anyway, good stuff happening there. Gang, we're kicking off a new, a new series. We sort of kicked it off last week. But we're talking about, and uh, we're talking about the last days, the end times. This series is called, What Time Is It? With all of the things that have happened over this year, there's been a natural question 
uh, coming to the surface, and that is, is Jesus coming back? I'm going to answer that question. Yes, he is. Now, is he coming back Tuesday? I don't know. But he's coming back. There's no doubt about that. But in every generation, there's a season, usually, where signs heat up, and that generation goes and does what I'm about to do. They look at the Scripture, and they say, well, what we can see is here's the signs that line up. And uh, so I, I want to take some time, and this may take, I don't know, two, three, four weeks. I don't know how long it's going to take until I just sense a release. But I want to go through some things with you, and I'm not so... Uh, I, you know, I know those are, you know, I've got a challenge in that I've got multiple audiences here. I've got some of you that are KGO veterans, and you have the name of the Antichrist written in your Bible. I mean, you, you're like, you've already guessed like five guys, three of them are dead, and you know, you're like, oh, well, you just can't find a good Antichrist. But anyway, so, you, you know, I, I, I was raised, you know, Antichrist picking and date picking and all that. I was raised in an atmosphere in the 60s and 70s where we thought Jesus was coming every day, twice a day. I mean, we were, it's like, he's coming, you know? So, uh, and I was raised in a church atmosphere that wasn't uh, grace-based. It was pretty much uh, behavior-based. And so if you misbehave and he came back, you didn't go. That's what we were taught. And so we were taught, hey, if you go to the movies, we thought, you know, we thought going to the movies could lead to premarital sex. And so, I mean, it was strict where I came from. And if you got caught in the movies and Jesus came back, our pastor would say, well, I'm not so sure you're going to be going. And so... So we stayed on the edge all the time just thinking, oh, my God, he's going to go. And I was just sure, you know, all those songs, those uh, two men walking up a hill, one disappeared, one's left standing still. I thought, that's going to be me, you know. I'm going to be standing there. So never be caught with, with just two people. That's what I, I would look at the Scripture and go, all right, just, just don't be with anybody holier than you. You just got to be a little holier than the guy beside you and... And uh, so I, my theology was all messed up, but I was just trying to make it. Uh, but here's the deal. You, you, we lived at that intensity level for a little while. You cannot live at that intensity level. You can't live there. And uh, after a while, you know, Jesus doesn't come back, and you start saying, as the Scripture says we would, he's not coming back anytime soon. And then we have another event like we've had this year, and all of a sudden the question starts to come up. And I want you to know it's a good question. It's a good question. So I know I've got several audiences here, though, and my, my plan today, in fact, what I prepared for was to start kind of teaching toward those of you that have been at this a little while. I got here this morning and had to tear that one up because I had just a deep compassion for, you know, when, there's some of you that have never heard any of this. You've never heard about end times teaching. You don't, you know, if I say the word tribulation and start describing it, it sounds like some galactic War, you go, man, have you lost? What is he drinking? And uh, Antichrist and branding 666 on your head. And oh, anyway, he's not going to, anyway. Uh, but if we start going into this stuff uh, and you don't have some foundation for why we're even talking about it, it's, it's a lot to take in. Uh, so let me, let me go ahead and lay the, the playing field pretty flat, though. It ought to be a lot to take in whether you're a KGO veteran or not. There ought to be something about when we begin to talk soberly about the return of Jesus Christ, there ought to be something arrest everybody. And uh, so, some, so it's okay if you have a little fear, a little anxiety as we get into that. So do I. I, I think anybody that's honest dealing with this, if, if you don't think being yanked out of bed, you know, in a twinkling of an eye, if that doesn't do something to you, now, just, how's that gonna go again? Or, or the idea of seven years of tribulation and all kinds of things. Uh, and, and by the way, there's about four different theological interpretations of how the last days will go. 
And I'm, I'm gonna cross, I'm gonna probably cross with some of you that, that have a different version. Here's what, I always give this coaching uh, point, always. When it comes to how you interpret the, the, the end time scriptures, you wanna hold that loosely. You don't wanna get your identity all wrapped up. Somebody asked me this week, and it's just common in, in church inner circle. Uh, somebody said, well, are you a pre-trib or a post-trib? And uh, that's, that's, that's church language for, uh, is Jesus coming pre-tribulation or post-tribulation? Well, here, here's the deal. There's some great, brilliant theologians on both sides of that argument. And uh, don't, don't get offended that somebody interprets it different than you. If you get your identity all wrapped up in it, I'm in this group. I'm not, I, I'm, here's what I know. Whatever's going to happen, that's what's going to happen. The, uh, the disciples asked Jesus point blank, I mean, you could have cleared this all up. Uh, they asked him point blank, Jesus, when are you coming back and when is your kingdom gonna come and take over the planet? When are you going to do this? Man, that was his chance to go September 23rd at 11.35. That's, that's when I'm coming. And he didn't. He said this, I don't know. Jesus, the son of the living God said, I don't know. Not even the angels know, only the father knows. If he doesn't know, then Brother Bob from Splendora Assembly doesn't know, okay? So what, whoever you're watching there on the, uh, the internet, uh, they, they don't know. So any, any, any date setting and all of that, uh, I mean, it's kind of fun to, you know, what we can know is that, and if there's a Brother Bob from Splendora, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's why you're at Splendora, First Assembly of God Church. That's, I get it. Uh, don't like me anymore. So, but here's what I want to do is I just kind of want to kind of keep the football, and I, I I'm I'm gonna kind of slow it down a little bit. And before we start picking the Antichrist and figuring out, you know, are they a Republican or a Democrat? Before we get into any of the fun stuff, uh, I want us to just look right at the Scripture and understand why are we even talking about this. Well, what is this all about? And hopefully, uh, and I'll define for you all of the. If, if if you've never heard any of this, do not feel an ounce of being on the outside. I'm gonna describe when we say the word rapture, what does that mean? Let me just tell you, you'll hear the word rapture. There's places in scripture that talk about you and me being caught up together to meet Jesus in the air. Abundance among theologians, there's a lot of, a lot of head button about what exactly does that mean. What, what we all agree on is that there is some point where Jesus is going to catch us all up in the air and the scripture says we'll be changed. The biggest question, as a believer that you should have is, what if I'm in the shower? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It might be just for a second, but it could be very embarrassing. So I thought about this, and that's why I started getting with Joe and Becky Cruz. Joe and Becky Cruz have helped me, they've helped me uh, it, with my eating. They've helped me to, to shed about 30 pounds this year. So if you're concerned about what that's gonna look like, hit the gym and go see them. All right, so. <laughs> Revelation chapter 22. Jesus, uh, Jesus, his very last words. I mean, why are we talking about the return of Jesus? And man, doesn't every screaming preacher talk about this at some point? That you're all going to hell and you're gonna miss it. And yes, is the answer, but why? Why do they do that? Why are we talking about that? Revelation chapter 12 is the last chapter in the Bible. Revelation 
is the, the book, and it's, 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 uh, it's filled with the most metaphor, and it's a complicated book on the one hand, depending on how you go at it. If you're trying to use Revelation as a secret code to, to, to figure out when Jesus is coming, it's going to frustrate you. You can find teachers that you can follow, and it's kind of fun, but at the end of the day, it's going to frustrate you. If you'll just let it be what it says it is, you'll get the point. Here's the point of the book of Revelation, to reveal Jesus. Jesus is saying, he meets John individually, and he revealed himself to John on the Isle of Patmos. Then he reveals himself to the churches in two and three. Then he shows who he is in heaven during the worship. Then he shows who he is in control while wrath is coming out on this planet. He shows who he is when it comes to dealing with Satan himself. I mean, he just, he just says, and, and, if, and if that muscle doesn't impress you, check that one out. And if that, I mean, he just keeps saying, I am God. I am so God. And it's too much for you to pick up in your brain. It's too big. So I'm going to give it to you in a little bite-sized portion. I was, y'all are all comfortable with who he was. Oh, wasn't he great back then? Then he says this, I is, I am. Moses, Mo, Moses said, who, who, who do I call you? He said, you tell them I am. I exist in this second right now. I'm here now. And I'm, I'm Alpha Omega, beginning and end. All of that, he's just saying, man, I got it all in my control. It's on my calendar. It's on my iPhone. I got it. I got this. So let's look at his final. He goes through all of how the, the, the world will really conclude, and it doesn't really conclude. It just transforms into its new state. Uh, I'd say either into its new state or back to its old state, however you want to look at it. But uh, God's in charge. So his final words to, to us to be written are these. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, and this is how your Bible ends. John spe or actually Jesus speaking says, and behold... I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. In other words, you're going to have an accountability for your life. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to eat of the tree of life. Understanding this, doing behavior is not what gets you saved. Getting saved is what changes your behavior and by, by literally being saved, genuinely being saved, his spirit comes to live inside of you. There's an actual a fight that starts between your flesh nature and your spirit nature. Your behavior changes because you want mostly to please the heavenly nature. All right, that was a very quick um, thing, but I just want you to know, you, you, by being good, you're not gonna go to heaven. That's what I want you to, by keeping the commandments, that's not how you get the right to partake, uh, partake of the tree of life. Underline the word tree of life, I'm gonna come back to that in a minute. And may enter through the gates into the city, but outside are dogs and sorcerers. So if you're wondering, do dogs go to heaven? Apparently not. Outside are dogs and sorcerers and, and sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters. See, some of y'all are not going to listen to another thing because now you're thinking about your dog. You're going, I mean, I knew cats wouldn't, but I just thought. Uh, murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. Verse 16, Jesus speaking again. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bride and the morning star. And the spirit and the bride, the spirit, the Holy Spirit and the bride. Who's the bride? Y'all. The spirit in the church says, Jesus, come. Come, help us. 
Come on back. Let him who hears say, come. And now to the lost, let the thirsty say, to the thirsty, y'all come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. In other words, right now in this dispensation, this period we're in, the pool's open. No lifeguard on duty, jump in. If you want to be born again, it never will be easier than this moment. It will get more difficult. Okay, it will. Right now, please, I hope everybody listening, hear me. Today is the day of salvation. I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in the book. If anyone takes away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part in the book of life from the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. He who testifies, now here's his last thing he's saying. Last chance I get to tell you what's on my heart. Here's what he says. His last words to us is this. Surely I'm coming quickly. And John says, amen, even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. End the book. If you were about to pass away and you were gonna talk to one of your sons or your daughters, you would wanna say, the most important thing I've ever said to you is I'm saying to you right now. I'm out. Here's what I wanna say to you. Jesus, final thought. I'm coming quickly. Why do we need to talk about this? For this very reason, Jesus said it, I'm coming quickly. So uh, why talk about the second coming? Pastor, shouldn't we be talking about our self-esteem or something like that? We're talking about the second coming because the New Testament speaks of the second coming nearly 300 times. Every 13 verses, if you were to split it up, every 13 verses is about the return of Jesus. It's that important. Of all the Bible, which is, a, a, a lot of prophecy, about a third of it is pointing to the day I think we're living in right now. Our God put something on his calendar and he said, you guys, pay attention. I'm gonna privilege some generation to be alive that's never gonna die. Now, it's gonna be quite a ride. It's gonna be a little bit of, it's gonna be a roller coaster. But I've graced you for whatever is necessary during this period. Somebody asked me after the first service, aren't you excited? Have you ever thought about being excited that God caused you to be born right now. And I said, yes, I think, I think about it all the time. Yes. Think about it all the time. Whatever it is that's on the tough side of this, man, I'm up for it because God put me here. God put yes. you here. This is not an accident that you're sitting where you're sitting. It's not an accident that you're in this church or whatever church that you're in, that you go to. Man, you're here on purpose and we've got a job to do. And it's not batting down the hatches. It's not, ooh, let's try and survive. Just hang on till he comes. Uh, no, the Spirit and the Bride are saying both to Jesus and to the lost, come, come. Listen to me. If you're watching me right now and something inside of you is putting this off, I can't say this strong enough. Don't listen to me, but please hear the Spirit. I mean, my vocal cords, they belong to me, but the Holy Spirit is using them right now to call to you right there. You cannot put this off any longer. This is the day of salvation. Don't put this off any longer. The reason we, we have a message like this is so that you understand if you think you're just gonna live your life and somehow you know, catch heaven by some last minute decision, you'll spend all of eternity in hell because this is not about making heaven and messing hell. Salvation, I mean, those are the ultimate results, either heaven or hell, and that ought to get your attention. 
But gang, I'll say it, I can't say this strongly enough. This is about a relationship with the living God. And if you don't want or trust him with your life right now, you sure don't want to get stuck with him for eternity. If you don't trust him here, you, you don't trust him. This is not about heaven, hell, good works, behavior. It's about will you bring back, you right now as you sit there, and me too, I've been a thief before, a thief when you withhold you know, you were created by God. You belong to him. Return yourself to its proper place and it'll align your life. The peace you're missing, you're missing it not, not because he's causing it, because you're misaligned. I'll get to that. So anyway, I've just got such a burden. Why do we preach these messages? One, because it's in, in the Bible. Two, it awakens our soul. It awakens our soul. Hebrews 4.13 says this, and there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of, uh, of him to whom we must give an account. Now, why, why do I say this awakens the soul? There's really no, uh, I mean, getting a cold heart, that's, that's natural for all of us. Just some of you need to know that. Some of you have been saved 150 years and you're going, man, I just don't feel what I used to. Of course you don't. Of course you don't. There's, there's ebb and flow, and I'm not saying it's okay, not okay. I'm just saying it's part of life. And uh, when you hear Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, then time passes, you go to sleep. There's something inside of you that just goes to sleep. When the Scripture describes, we talked about this last week, so go back and watch that message if you was. But when Jesus described his second coming, he, one of his parables was of 10 bridesmaids that were waiting for the, for the bridegroom to come, and uh, all, all five of them, all 10 of them, they represent the church of Jesus Christ. Bride, groom, bride, uh, bridesmaid, excuse me, bridesmaid. They're, they're, they're to tend the bride. Here's the deal. The five foolish and the five wise, they all went to sleep. All of them went to sleep. Most spiritual, ready, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And uh, those that are just trying to do the bare minimum to squeak into heaven, all 10 of them went to sleep. All of them went to church. All of them knew that Jesus was coming. Five of them had surrendered. They were, they, were, they were like, I'm not playing games. My whole entire life is surrendered to the God who is. They weren't trying to do the bare minimum. Okay, so, so, so hear me. Sleeping is pretty natural. I've been asleep. Pastor, have you? And you're our pastor. No, seriously, when, I, when it comes to this message, there's a part of me that, 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 that I have to wrestle through to go, been there, done that, said those messages. I have to work through that. And, uh, but here's the deal. I have to work through this. So what? I mean, you're not always feeling it all the time, Pastor? No, and I don't go by my feelings. Uh, right now, especially in this crazy world that's so exalted feelings above truth. And I'll distract myself if we go. I mean, there's, there's scriptures that talk about the last days that we will, we will, he will give us away because we don't love the truth. Right now, this is the craziest thing. I've seen it in my lifetime. If somebody's feelings get hurt because of truth, we'll sacrifice truth for the sake of feelings. And if you get in, watch your news, you see that happening. And if you're logical at all, I mean, if you're just, a, if you're a logical person, you have to look at that and go, what's happening? How can we be this illogical? It doesn't have to be spiritual minded to go, how can you say if it hurts somebody's feelings, we sacrifice the truth? No, my daddy raised me to go, we're going to raise the truth, and we're going to hurt your feelings. And I'm kind of good with both. I kind of enjoy both of them. I think my dad enjoyed spanking us. But we were raised. 
we were, it relieved pressure for him, I think. He was like, God, I feel so much better. <laughs> it, but seriously, as you look about and you wonder, why is the world going crazy? It's because it's being demonically imposed upon with completely complicit humans. We all have a will. We can choose. But man, as a group, we're exalting how people feel above what the truth is. You, it's the truth that sets you free. It's not, I, I feel you are empathy and sympathy, all wonderful things, but that's not what sets anybody free. That puts you back in bondage. Truth will set you free. Anyway, that's a good preaching. Very good, Pastor. Sorry. So here's what I mean when it awakens the soul. Our, our hearts are laid bare. When, when, I, when we start to speak this message, and this is the Bible through and through and through, there is a day when you turn your papers over, you put your name on it, and you send it up, and it's going to be, you, that's when you get your grade. You know what I'm saying? If you're taking a test and it's never going to be graded, then there's no pressure. But all of you know, I mean, this, this still causes, causes me to, my blood pressure goes up, and I'm 57. I haven't been in school in a long time. Turn your papers over, be sure your name's on it, pass it in, it will be graded. You'll get your, man, it's time for a grade. You need to understand the most important thing that you have to steward is you. You have this one and only life, and it's a powerful thing, and it, it means so much that Jesus died for your life so they can be brought back into an alignment. And so you are fully responsible for your one and only life, and there's a day coming when Jesus is going to return and whenever that is, my lifetime, the next lifetime, 100 years from now, whenever that is, you, you, will, you will be given a score, and it's not A, B, C, D. It's pass or fail. And knowing that it's that clean, no, I feel, no, I, the devil made me do it, none of that. In fact, at your death, you know, it's appointed to, to man once to die and then the judgment, which means you get your report card. You need to feel some gravity when we begin to speak. When we speak about the return of Jesus, it begins to awaken cold souls. Yeah. It causes the hair on the back of your neck to go, man, I need, and, and it's one of the messages that God uses, and awakenings throughout the history have always included a strong emphasis on Jesus is coming. He's coming because it causes sinners and it causes saints alike to go, hey, wait a minute. Right. We, we need to be sure we're rightly aligned with our God back in the 60s and the 70s, and again, some of you are old enough to remember this, in uh, early 60s there, John F. Kennedy was uh, assassinated, and uh, all of the racial things were beginning to happen. The, the, the civil rights movements were, were starting. There was unrest around this nation. Uh, there was a, a spirit of rebellion at a new level, and I call these, gang, kind of their sin boilovers, and they happen in humankind. They're just, they're part of being human. Uh, and it's when human beings begin to come together in, in a unity that we, nobody's going to tell us what to do. We can do what we want to. And there's a spirit of rebellion. The spirit of Satan was this. Uh, nobody's, you're not going to, God, you're not going to tell me what to do. You're heaven or no heaven. I, I'm going to do what I want to do. And we sang about what happened there. I saw Satan fall like lightning. I mean, that, that ended in a right fast and in a hurry. In a second, Jesus said, don't rejoice. That's, that's no big deal. Satan's subject to you. Don't. Rejoice that your name is written in the, in the Lamb's book of life, man. That's where your hallelujah is. But here's the deal. In the 60s and 70s, we have, the, we have the hippie movement. We have the drugs going on. And we got just the whole, just, if you will, an, an anti-revival. I'm not sure what to, just, just sin 
And uh, people coming together saying, I'll have sex if I want to. I'll sleep with whoever I want to. I'll have LSD and heroin, all this. And there was just this rebellion. There was a, the, the Vietnam uh, pro- protest, uh, like we've got protests going on right now. All of that was happening, and it was anti the man, anti authority. And it all looked like a bunch of just young people being just rebellious. It was demonically driven, and it got into such a frenzy of unity, anti authority. And it's what, when you look in, in uh, Revelation, I think it's 16, 17, 18, when it starts talking about Babylon, Babylon the Great. Oh, this is taking a while to explain, but just hang with me. Uh, it, Babylon, it was an exact place, absolutely, somewhere around Iraq, absolutely was. But it started at the Tower of Babel, yes. where human beings got together and they started encouraging it and coming into unity against God. And uh, God looked down and he said, man, if I don't intervene, there's, there's no amount of evil if they come into agreement that they won't do. They're gonna mess this planet up. So he intervened and he, he messed up their languages so that all of them spoke different languages. They split up and they couldn't keep going. Where the Tower of Babel is where we get Babylon. That's where we get that. Right now, when I, I believe when we look at the word Babylon in end times prophecy, I don't know that it's Iraq and all of that. It probably is to some degree, but it's the spirit of Babylon. It's human beings coming into agreement and reaching a boiling point where all together they're saying, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'll tell you what, we're going to change this place, and it's going to be like me. We got folks protesting and yelling and holding signs and doing all kinds of things. And gang, I think there's some folks just very well-meaning, and I think there's some legitimate things going on, but... But there's, a, there's more illegitimate happening than legitimate. And it is the spirit of man trying to point at somebody to blame for their situation uh, in rebellion against authority in 60 different countries today. There are riots and protests because the world right now is starting to boil over and there's a, there's a demand. Some human save us from this. Some president We've got all of these hopes in this election, and I keep hearing, boy, all this is going to stop after the election. Gang, it is not going to stop after this election. Neither of these men can bring about peace that we are all hoping for. An evangelical church, if a Republican gets in office, don't you dare let up for one second. Don't do that. Listen, our hope is not in President Donald Trump. You know what? I'm a conservative voter, and so there, there you have it. I said it. Whoever's going to sue me for whatever. Uh, but here's the deal. I don't have, I don't have hope at all in either one of these men. And if we as the church go, oh, well, now we can relax. Man, that's exactly, we'd be playing right into the enemies. We need the church. God's not looking at the White House. He's looking at the church to say, when are y'all going to wake up? <clears throat> When this boiled over in the 60s and 70s, and it was awful, it looked like it was going to be a runaway, God sent a message to the planet, and a lot of you were in it, uh, in the 60s and 70s, and it was led with this message, Jesus is coming soon, better get your life ready. And just as, as things were boiling over with evil, there was a revival called the Jesus Movement, the last coast-to-coast uh, Canada to Mexico revival that happened in America. It was the Jesus Movement. And it was led by this. And I was raised, you know, and I was very young, very, very, I was a baby. Uh, But I caught the tail end of it. I was raised on the preaching of Jesus is coming soon. You better get ready. Jesus is coming soon. And it arrested hundreds of thousands of lives. Right now, 
our na- not just our nation, the world is reaching another one of these boiling points. If you will, the spirit of Babylon, the just unified, nasty humans, anti-whatever. They don't know what they're, there's folks that don't even know who they're against. They're just against somebody. Whoever the authority is, that's who we're against. We, can't, we don't know who that is. It is, just a, it is just humans being complicit with a demonic work. And I'm telling you, God is not, as with, as with the Tower of Babel, uh, as with the Jesus movement, uh, as with uh, Lot and, and what was happening there, as with the days of Noah, God is not one to sit by and say, I'm not gonna do anything. There's a point where he'll intervene and he's got on his calendar an intervention at some point on this planet where he says, that's it. Yes. We're done. Man is not going to turn. I'm going to destroy what's left. I'm going to take the remnant that has aligned with me, and we're going to restore this to the way I intended it from the very beginning yes. that he's going to call the game. This is no small matter. Regardless of how far-fetched it sounds, some generation will be the ones that say Jesus is coming soon, They'll go home, they'll have lunch, they'll watch the Cowboys win tonight, and Jesus will come back. <laughs> if the Cowboys win, it could be hell freezes over. But anyway, <laughs> one or the other. But the Bible's involved, and in it's involved somewhere in that. All right. I believe in this intervention, and I believe it's, I believe it's going to come. All right. Uh, one other reason, and golly, I don't know how my son Dallas preaches it and gets it done in 25 minutes. I, I'm trying. Golly. Lastly, very quickly, why do we preach these? It's encouraging and it's our blessed hope. The return of Jesus is our blessed hope. Titus 2.11 says this, for, by grace, uh, for, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Everybody gets a chance at this teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, in other words, stay awake, righteously and godly in the present age. Check it. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The return of Jesus is our blessed hope. I'll make sense of it here in a second. Hebrews chapter 10 says this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to act of love and good works and let us not neglect our meeting together. That's why we need to come together in church and in our our homes, as some people do, but encourage one another, encourage each other, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Most of the time now, and I say this is a hope, most of the time when we teach on the second coming of Jesus, there's a lot of fear in it, and I get it, because we focus on When's he coming, the tribulation, who the Antichrist is gonna be, and the Antichrist is a bad dude. He's just a bad dude. And, and I, know, I don't wanna distract. I know some of you are thinking of the 70 AD events and that the tribulation has already happened. I get it, I understand, I understand that, that translation. I'm gonna go a different route, uh, but I, I am aware of that, so I'm sorry. I'm distracted myself. I just heard somebody say, hey, that's already happened. Let's just see. Uh, according to the scripture, there'll be a lot of people martyred during this time of tribulation. And the Antichrist is actually gonna be given authority over the saints. You don't wanna be here. I don't wanna be here. But here's the, so most of the time, that's what we, we concentrate on and get everybody scared to death. I wanna lift the, the, the plane up about another 10,000 feet and look a little broader at what Jesus is looking to do when he comes back. That's six or seven years or however long that's going to be. That's a rough time, but however that's going to shake out, 
God's gonna give us the grace or the rescue that we need. Let's think about why it's, it's a glorious appearing, why it's exciting to talk about the return of Jesus. He says here, as he's concluding, he says, look, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you the right to partake of the tree of life, to partake of the tree of life. What does that have to do with anything? Okay, let's talk about it. Uh, it's because at the beginning of the Bible, this is the end of the Bible, Revelation 22. At the beginning of the Bible, we picked the wrong tree. Two trees were set in the middle of the garden. God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, the, the earth was chaos. The Holy Spirit hovered over that chaos, and God, by his word, began to set in order. Because here's the thing about God. Everywhere he goes, he sets it, things in order. He sets them in his order, and because they get in his order, peace comes. Okay? That's how it works. So he comes to the garden. It's all peaceful. It's in order. They're submitted to God. God says, gang, here's the deal. In order for you to love me, I got to give you free will. In order for you to have free will, you got to have a choice that's not me. Here's how it's going to roll. Got two trees in the middle of the garden, one of which you can't eat of. Just one. And uh, the rest you can eat of. But here's what he said. The day you do, you'll die. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The other one was the tree of life that was just mentioned at the back end of the Bible. Tree, knowledge of the tree of good and evil. We know the story, Adam and Eve, uh, they partook of that tree. What does that mean? That means mankind was saying to God, much as Satan said, we don't want you telling us what is good and evil. We'll decide for ourselves what's good and evil. We'll decide what's right and wrong. We'll even decide what's a boy and what's a girl. We don't want you governing over us. We'll decide for ourselves. And the pride of mankind came in when Adam and Eve partook of that tree, got the wrong tree. Man, you got a 50-50 shot. How do you miss that? Got the wrong tree. And, and Jesus, God said, don't eat of that one. It's like, okay, so any of us would have done the same. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, so our independent nature and spirit, the day that they ate of it, the scripture says they died. I ask you a question, did they die? Physically? They didn't die physically. In the word, in, in, in Hebrew, the word died, it means this. It means separate. And death for you and me, you don't ever cease to exist. There's not a person listening to me. You are forever existent right now. Everybody. Yes. When you die, you separate from your body, but you don't cease to exist. You just exist in another situation. Well, so what God was saying was, Right now, we're rightly aligned. I, you're submitted to me. I'm taking care of you, providing, protecting, doing all that. And we're rightly aligned. But the day that you eat of it, we're gonna separate. The source of your life is gonna separate. They lived another 900 years. They actually were probably pretty healthy. Yeah, let's say they were vegan or something. They, they took good care of themselves. So 900 years they went, but here's the thing. When God left, his order and his peace left. Yes. And everything lost relationship with the order and authority of God. And every relationship broke at that point. Adam and Eve had their first marital counseling issues. She did it. It's her fault. She's always whining, always been in too much. She did it. No, it's his fault. The devil made me do it. They have their first fight. That relationship is broken man's relationship to himself, what all of us suffer for. All of us are crying out, God, save me from this. 
it's because of sin. Our relationship with ourself is broken. All of the psychological issues that we have, we have feelings. We attach meanings to those feelings. And it's usually bad information about us. They roll their eyes. What that usually means is they don't like me. Oh, they don't like me. What's wrong with me? We have all of this craziness that's going around, circles, these thinking cycles that are broken. We don't like us. How did that happen? We feel bad to say, I kind of love myself. We struggle to like ourselves because we really don't because down deep on the middle of us, we know something's wrong with me. You know that. It's because we left the garden. We ate the wrong tree. That relationship broke. Relationships with other people, murder started, jealousy started, comparison started, all of that started. That all broke down. Nature's relationship with itself, and that all broke down. It all broke And here's what Jesus, when Jesus said he was coming and he was bringing the kingdom, remember what he said? I've come that you might have life and have that more abundantly. Now, what does that mean? He's saying this, by separation you died and everything broke. But when I'm coming back, I'm bringing the kingdom of God. What does that mean? I'm coming, I'm gonna be the king. I'm gonna set everything back in order. Your body, you're gonna get a new one. You're gonna learn to love one another. You're gonna learn to relate. And when I bring the kingdom back in full, we're gonna clean this whole world up and I'm gonna set this thing back in order. The absence of Jesus, it, it means chaos. What are we looking at on the streets right now? Chaos. Everybody hates everybody. We got fight. There'll be people that wanna fight me because of my interpretation of scripture. And we're Christians. We got people out there wanting to fight and kill one another because one's a Republican and one's a Democrat. One's black, one's white. Fighting, one's rich, one's poor. All of this division and all of this chaos, we got chaos in nature right now, and it's, it's getting worse. We got fires everywhere. Again, we got 60 nations where people are protesting and they're angry and re- they're, they're wanting somebody to do something about something. And it's just the thing is boiled over. The reason that Jesus is our hope is because I don't, listen, I do care who you elect and who we elect in November. I think it matters. But listen, neither of those men can fix what's broken. They can't fix it. Uh, France with the yellow jacket protesters going on today, their, their president can't fix it. No man can fix it. And yet everybody's saying, somebody do something about this or I'm gonna burn something down. What is that? That's the evil of flesh. And the truth is, the church is the only ones whose eyes can go, I know who can fix this. Jesus, yes. come fix this. Come on, Lord Jesus. Yes. Come, Lord Jesus. Yes. That's the call. Regardless of... Three years, one year, Jesus is going to, regardless of how you shake down your little chart, your, you know, however you do, we need him to come and fix this mess because without that, this is not going to get fixed. Nothing but chaos from here on out, gang. Hear me. From here on out, chaos always will be until Jesus returns. That's why he's our blessed hope. Is there a hope? Listen, there's, not, there's more than a hope. He is going to come and fix this. And if you're born again, if you've received Jesus Christ as your savior, your life is going to know peace again. When your own physical body is working and healthy, that means your muscle system is, is, is in right relationship with your nerve system, with this in, in touch with your blood system and your bones, all of that. When it's all relationship, you're healthy. But when one thing is sick, it all doesn't relate, and you don't have personal peace. Your body doesn't have peace. Jesus is gonna come back and heal the body. 
He's gonna heal everything. That's why we say, Lord Jesus, please come. This is the biggest mess. Come and people, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Very quickly, I promise I'll land this plane. Ah, boy, I'm, I'm leaving a lot on the cutting room floor. We'll get into a lot of things. Why now, Pastor Randy? Why do you think it's now? I'll spend more time next week, but just, just hear me. Matthew 24, 36 says this, but the day and that Jesus speaking, but that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days of Noah before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, just life is normal, until the day Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them away. They did not know until the flood came and took them away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Genesis chapter six, five talks about what did God see that caused this? Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man, and here's what I want you to see and I want you to feel this. The wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of, and thoughts of his heart were on evil continually. And the Lord was sorry he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things, birds in the air, for I'm sorry I've made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You can find a similar. Jesus also said it'll be like in the days of Lot and you'll find the same situations. Evil boiling over to the point where God says, God makes the judgment. By the way, you and I don't make call balls and strikes on who's saved and who's not saved and who's going, who's not going. God ultimately can say, we're at the point they're not gonna turn and I'm gonna have to destroy them. Now this is harsh, difficult, difficult talk. But earth is spinning quite quickly into further chaos and the hearts of men and women, and I can't ever bring myself to say are unsavable. I, I would never say that. We're in a dispensation of grace, and if anybody calls on the name of the Lord, you can be saved. But there is an agreement coming among humans, and they're looking for leadership, and there's none to be found. There will be one, and we'll talk about that. But right now, what's important for you to understand is our God, gracious a period as we've been in, to reject Jesus calls for his justice one more time. The fact that he took his wrath out the first time on the Lord Jesus so you and I could be saved puts us in a dispensation of grace. But for him to patiently wait and to have mankind gather against him in rebellion, rejecting what he cost him so much to give so that we could be saved, it will require a justice and a wrath that'll go beyond anything that's anybody's, that's ever entered into anybody's imagination. And I don't say that to, to make it scary, I'm just trying to be literal. When you read through the judgments and the wraths of God and you try to go, man, where did our nice God go? He's still the same loving father, but as, as with Noah, God told Noah, Noah, this is a mess, I'm gonna clean this up. You got 120 years, 120 years, Noah preached. Guys, God's gonna judge this place. Y'all better get it together. 120 years, 100 years go by. Building on that boat, God's being merciful. Every time God would say, I've had it, mercy would stand up and go, no, no, give him a chance. All right. 110 years go by. They're not turning. I'm gonna put it on them. Justice would jump up and say, put the hammer down. They deserve my judgment. Mercy would jump up again and say, no, no, no. Let's give them time. 
115 years. Noah's building that boat. Noah finishes that boat. He's collecting those animals. You got mercy and the opportunity to be saved happening at that ark. God of mercy, God of wrath, same God. Perfect in both, perfect in both. 118 years, 119 years. Noah, 120 years. Six months, nine months, 10 months. Everybody on the earth, it says they were marrying and giving in marriage. They were packing lunches for their kids and putting them on school buses and going to work, coming back and watching Fox News and doing what you do. Every single day at two months, they had no idea. In two months, this world's gonna flood. I'm gonna die and I'm gonna have to give an account to God. They did not know. Jesus said, it'll be just like that, a month left. Lunch kits, kids, see you later, baby. See you, honey, you're going off to work. 15 days left. Five days left, nobody knew it. 24 hours. You know that the sun's gonna come up a last time on the earth as we know it, and it'll seem like any other day. You'll grab your coffee, you'll fix it exactly like you like it, or you'll go to Starbucks. You're gonna grab your breakfast, you're gonna kiss your wife goodbye. It's gonna be like any other day, and then there'll be six hours left and there's going to be four. You're going to be getting off work. Somebody else will be getting up on some other part of the planet. They did not know. Noah had been saying, guys, get it together. Noah, you get in that boat and get in there with your family. Last hour, last 30 minutes, last minute, 59, 58. 57. Mercy. Give me some more time. Mercy. Justice is going to stand up in the heart of God. Pure justice. That's it. Shut that door. Bang. Sound heard around the world. Time's up. Scripture says they didn't understand until they understood. Noah told them, but they didn't respond until the flood came. Floating in that water saying, please, God, please, please give us another chance. Pastor Randy, are we talking about the same God? Guys, it's all through our Bible, and we try so hard to make him like us. Guys like me try to explain him and soften him and do, man, he's God, he's awesome, he's Father. But the judgment that will come, it'll be because of rejecting Jesus. And there's no hell hot enough nor eternity long enough to pay for having rejected the Son of God. As in the days of Noah, there'll be a boil over of human evil. And at some point, God's gonna call the game. If you're here watching today, you just need to know, it's boiling, is this the boil over? I don't know. Please watch next week, please. I'll try to help you with some of the math, at least as I see it in scripture. But you need to know, 
there is a point in what you're sensing right now, that arrest of spirit, and some of you in this room, it's the right feeling. That's the right feeling. Worries me a little, Pastor. Good. Good. Me too. I need it too. I've been at this a long time. I'm a crusty Christian. I need it to shake the callousness off of my heart and spirit. I want to get my anticipation of his return back where it needs to be. And I want to get my compassion for people to say, you have got to get in this boat. What is the church of Jesus Christ? We are the boat. This is the boat. It's not this church, this building. It's to become a part of the family of God. So for all of you watching, and if you're here today, just want to make this appeal. Many people get saved because the Spirit of God graciously takes that layer of callousness and been there, done that, and all of that. That gets removed, and you can see and you can hear. So I want to say to you, right now some of you are saying, what do I have to do to be saved? Here's what you do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Again, it, has, it does have to do with heaven and it does have to do with hell, but those are simple consequences. What matters is that you actually want to bring your life back in order. The king of peace comes to bring his kingdom and it's peace because he begins to set things in order, starting with Jesus is Lord, he's in charge. That's the first thing that happens when you say yes to him. The king comes and takes his rightful place of authority and you say, your majesty. You call him Lord. You're in charge. I trust your authority in my life. And here's what you need to know. He knows better for you than you know. You know you're mixed up, so am I. You know something's broken on the inside, so do I. I know the one who I can trust with my life. Salvation is a relational surrender. Heaven or hell comes later. Heaven will come if you surrender to him. Right now, some of you are being called. Those who are thirsty, come. That's you. That's some folks in here. So I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. Many people will pray this prayer and not be saved because it's not the words. Jesus said, many will say, Lord, Lord. Didn't we say, Lord, Lord? Didn't I pray the prayer? <laughs> say, we didn't know each other. So I wanna lead you in a prayer, and I want you to believe this in your heart, and I want you to cry out, God, save me. And when you do, you'll be saved. Everybody praying after me, and it'll be wonderful to hear some humans repeating this prayer now with me. It's been a little while. But can we all bow our heads and just approach the throne of God and his grace? Before you repeat anything, Father, thank you for this period of grace that still remains. The door is still open and it hadn't started raining, but the clock is ticking. Thank you that we can get on the boat right now. We can be saved. Everyone praying after me, Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner and I've sinned against you. I've rebelled. I'm completely responsible. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's my Savior and rescue. And I believe you raised him from the dead. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I surrender to your authority. I'm all yours. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. Praise God. Simple as that moment was, if you spoke with your mouth and believed with your heart, 
you just entered the kingdom of God. You got on the boat. You got saved. You got born again. Lots of ways to say it. But you're in. Now it'll be about following him. So I just want to encourage you. Uh, there's, a, there's a number on the screen. Those of you that are watching, there's a card in the, in, the, in the seat in front of you that says, I said yes for those that are alive. And if you gave your life to Christ, I want to challenge you. Take a next step. Take a step. Call that number or text that number or fill out that I said yes card. You can put it in those boxes there. We're going to reach back out to you. I don't bother you. Man, we're here to walk with you. We're here to help you. We're here to serve you. So, uh, but we want you to do that. Take that next step. And I'll tell you what we can all do in here. Can we all stand to our feet? I'd like Pastor Reggie to come and, and dismiss us. And, uh, but anyway, gang, it's so good. Great to see all of you that are online. Praise God for what he's doing there. Great to see all of, all of these humans here. And uh, praise God, football season started. All right. Thanks so much for listening to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. Keep up with everything going on at The Crossing by liking us on Facebook, following us on Instagram, or subscribing to our YouTube channel. Or you can visit us online at www.thecrossing.cc.